just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. I was off the grid for a day. Not the grid grid, just the social media grid. My wife and I made a quick trip down to Phoenix, Arizona. We got there on Wednesday morning, came back Thursday night. One day, a little over 24 hours, 36 hours, something like that. Now, you might ask, why would you do that? Why would you go for one day? Well, you know my wife is a big Minnesota Golden Gopher sports fan. I mean, she's one of the bigger sports fans of our local university. And the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers were playing West Virginia in the guaranteed rate bowl game. It was football, and the Gophers were playing. So we had the opportunity. My wife said, you want to go down? I said, whatever you want to do, honey. We got on the plane, went down, and watched the game. Now, fortunately, we had some friends that lived down there. We were able to stay with them overnight, had dinner with them, had breakfast with them. It was a nice visit. It was uh, it was a fun day. It was a little hectic getting on one plane and then coming back on another, but it was fun overall. Here's what surprised me. We left Minnesota. The temperature here was three degrees above zero. Cold as shit. Not surprising given it's Minnesota, but cold as shit. So I think we're going down to Arizona. It's going to be sunny and 80 and we're going to eat this up for at least one day and come back somewhat recharged. But when we get there, in fact, it's about 50 degrees and it's rainy in Arizona. They don't get a lot of rain in Arizona. So this was kind of an unusual situation. Now, I will tell you this, the difference between 3 and 80 degrees, big difference, would be a nice respite from that cold bullshit. But even going to 50 and a little rain, that was way better than 3 above and snow. So it was nice when we went down to Arizona. So the Golden Gophers are playing West Virginia in the guaranteed rate game. And the Golden Gophers won the game. So my wife was very excited. Now, on TikTok, I told a little joke, and I said, yeah, the Golden Gophers won the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, but don't get excited yet because, you see, the Cyber Ninjas are coming in. They're going to go over game tapes and look for the fraud that was obviously there, and we should have an outcome in six to eight months. (laughs) Now, of course, that's just a stupid joke, but you know as well as anybody that I specialize in stupid jokes, so I had to do it. Anyhow, we went to Phoenix, got back, we're home, all is good, back on track, back to work, and back with the Rational Boomer podcast. So we wanted to talk about some of the stuff that's going on, and a bit of news that broke today is something we've all been waiting for, and that was the fact that Ghislaine Maxwell, the verdict came back in her trial. This has been going on a while, and finally we have a verdict. And a lot of people were concerned about this because the jury was asking a lot of questions. What happens if we do this? Can we see this? Can we look at this? And people are thinking, oh, they're trying to find a way to let Ghislaine Maxwell go. In fact, there were a lot of people I talked to online that said, oh, she'll never get convicted. She's got too much money. She's too well-connected, too many Powerful people know her. They won't let her get convicted. But you know what? She got fucking convicted. Yes, she did. And she was convicted of recruiting and grooming young girls to be sexually abused by Jeffrey Epstein. Now, there were some charges on there she didn't get charged with, like enticing underage girls. And I don't know how that's different than recruiting, but somehow it is. Uh, But she got nailed with most of what she was charged with. And this means, I'm talking decades behind bars. Decades. In fact, some people have said 65 years is the high end of the sentence she, she could get, which essentially is life imprisonment because she's around my age. She's 60, 61 years old, 65. That's a little beyond anywhere we can expect to live. So she's done for. Now, of course, they'll appeal, but she won't win, and and, uh, she will have to 
go to jail for a period of time. Now, the thing that you have to understand is it's not over yet. I mean, it's over for her. You can stick a fork in her. She's going to jail one way or another, no question about it. And we know the high end is 65, but how long she goes to jail, she might be able to determine that. She may be able to help herself out with that. You know, people have seen this whole story with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, and they're saying, what about all these famous people? What about this stuff? When are they going to pay the price? Now, a lot of information has come out. There's evidence that may or may not be sealed, but it's there. Ghislaine Maxwell has 65-year sentence, potentially, which means she will be in prison for the rest of her natural life. Well, now the negotiating starts. We know the high end. We know what the courts can do to her, and so does she. So now she has to negotiate. Now, she's been very close to the vest about who's involved, what they did, and how they did it. She didn't even testify. Well, she got up just to say, I'm not testifying. But the fact of the matter is, is she wasn't talking much. A lot of the evidence showed us a lot of things, but she wasn't talking much. Now, she can keep her mouth shut, take her 65 years, and tough it out like a real gangster. But you know she's not going to do that. She's got nothing to lose now. She's stuck in jail. Although... Some people have suggested to me that she could end up just like Jeffrey Epstein. Somebody asked me, do I think he committed suicide or do you think he uh, was killed? And let's be perfectly honest. There is no way Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, and here's why. Jeffrey Epstein was the epitome of a narcissist, thinking he's more important than anybody else. He's the only thing that he cares about. I've known a lot of narcissists. And not one of those narcissists have ever been suicidal, no matter how bad a position they were in. It was always about how they could weasel out of it or con their way out of it. They would never think to kill themselves because they're the most important people to them. So I don't think he committed suicide. And the fact of the matter is we've got jailers there that, oops, kept him unwatched for a period of time. And in that period of time, he happened to die. Yeah, there's something more to this. And the fact that there's powerful people, political people that are tied to him probably had something to do with it. Now, whether we will ever find that out or not, I don't know. Now, Ghislaine Maxwell is in the same situation. Now, she's been convicted. She will be in jail. And, of course, she could possibly be in the same kind of danger. The only thing I would suggest here is this, though. After the heat and the problems that the... Uh, jail or the prison had after the Jeffrey Epstein thing, after all the questions that surround that whole situation, do they dare do it a second time? I mean, because then it's going to become unbelievable, and then that's going to open up the whole can of worms. But then again, what do they have to lose? If she's going to spill the beans on all these people, they've got a lot of trouble. They're in a tough spot. And don't make any mistake, Ghislaine Maxwell does not have anything to lose. Yes, she might get killed, but she might get killed anyway. But she doesn't want to spend 65 years in jail. So if she can give out some information, give up some people or whatever, you can bet she's going to do it. I mean, she's a much different situation than Jeffrey Epstein was. She's a woman. I don't know that she's narcissistic, probably more... um, More the opposite, lacking in self-esteem and that sort of thing. That's why she tied up with Jeffrey Epstein. So she'll look at this as totally different. And maybe we will start to see some of the things and some of the people tied to this whole situation. Well, we'll see what happens. But she was convicted in spite of all you people that told me she would never be convicted. I said she will be convicted, and I was right. And it's not because I'm smart. It's just logic, common sense, with the way it's playing out, she had to be convicted. There was too much evidence, too many witnesses. There's no way they could scam their way around her and get her cut loose. I mean, they did that to Jeffrey Epstein a couple times. But now everybody's watching. They can't play those kinds of games. Otherwise, there's all kinds of shit to be stirred up if they do that. So they had to, they had to uh, convict her. Now it's a matter of what the sentencing is going to be. Now, theoretically, this judge could give her a light sentence and might do that. 
or the uh, prosecutor will use that leverage to get other information out from her. Now, I will tell you this. That doesn't suggest that the prosecution could be in on it. They give her a two-year sentence, they send her to jail, and everybody tries to forget about it. That could happen. But again, there's so much attention pointed at this thing. I, I can't believe that they would think they could get away with that because there'll be all kinds of heat. And not just on Ghislaine Maxwell at that point. There'll be heat on the prosecutors, the defense, and the judge. They are going to be under a lot of scrutiny if they just try to slip this by and give her an easy sentence. So I'm presuming that Ghislaine Maxwell is going to say, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in jail. I'm going to give you some information. And depending on how much information she gives, she'll get more and more time taken off her sentence. Now, four or 65 years is a long time. But if she could get it down to 10 years, well, that's more reasonable. It's still not pleasant. But uh, now instead of being dead, you'd be 70 when you left prison. That's not a lot, but it's something. And she might be... <clears throat> interested in in doing something like that so we'll see what happens with it the good news is she's been held accountable she has been convicted she is going to jail no question about it just a matter of how long and what comes out of what she has to say as she tries to negotiate a way down on this uh, on this potential sentence prosecution's got a lot of leverage so they should be able to get a lot out of her if she's willing to do that. And I just can't imagine she's not willing to say some things in order to save herself just a little bit. You know, I've been hearing about these um, these percentages with Republicans. And, if, you know, of course, the Republicans support the likes of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Hell, when she got arrested, Donald Trump said, well, I wish her well. Yeah, a pimp, a recruiter of young men or young women, and a pedophile in her own right, and he wishes her the best. To me, the Republican Party is in serious trouble here. I mean, if you look at the Republican Party right now, and one figure that stands out over and above everything else is that even today, the late stages of 2021, 70% of the Republican Party believe the big lie, believe that Joe Biden didn't win the election. In spite of the fact there's never been any evidence, they've taken it to the court, they've had audits, they've had recounts, they've had all these things, and not one shred of truth or evidence has, has come about in this situation. That's why I'd like to talk to one of these people. They say, oh, I don't think it was real, I think it was rigged. Okay, Give me one bit of evidence. There is none, so they can't give it to me. They're just making up their minds based on what they hear on Fox or OAN or Newsmax or any other dipshit that's talking about this stuff. I'd like to see them just to present one bit of evidence. And if they can't, you would think it would click in their minds that, hey, maybe I'm wrong. But it doesn't. It's troubling to see what's going on with the Republicans because it's not just the big lie that's the problem. It's the appealing and the appeasing of white supremacists. It's the racist attitude, the racist comments from sitting members of Congress, the willingness to go along with an insurrection and then lie about it and suggest it was tourist or, or, a, or a quiet little protest. When there are hours and hours and hours of video of this violence that happened on January 6th, you know, they want to believe that it's a rigged video or that it's a lie or just don't watch it at all. And then you go to the fact that now they're burning books in libraries. They're actually going down the list of books and picking out things that they don't like, so they're going to burn them. And here's where the irony is. They love the Second Amendment. We've got to have our guns. We can have as many guns as we want. We can do whatever we want with the guns. And they like to believe that they have a First Amendment right, as I do. That means you get to say whatever you want. Well, unfortunately, they seem to forget that when you say certain things, there may be consequences. And just because you have the right to say it doesn't mean you aren't going to suffer some consequences. But even if you throw that aside and you, these people say, I love the First Amendment right, well, what the fuck are you doing burning these books? Is that not 
essentially the epitome of what First Amendment rights protect? Sure, you may not like the book. There are probably plenty of uh, publications by the white supremacists that I don't like. But you have every right to print it. You have every right to read it if you're of that ilk. And I'm not going to try to cancel those books because I don't like them or I don't think they're legal or think they're ethically right. The First Amendment protects that. And for all these people quoting amendments, particularly the First Amendment, it seems ironic to me that they decide that they want to burn books. I mean, this is what they did in Nazi Germany. There was a lot of information that they didn't want their people to have. So instead of trying to I don't know, tell them something different or convince them of something different. They just wanted to cancel it completely. They love to talk about the cancel culture and how they hate the cancel culture. Isn't burning books, again, the epitome of the cancel culture? We don't like you, so it'll just go away. We will make it disappear. And that, to me, is one of the most troubling things about what we're dealing with Republicans. 70% believe in the big lie. Now, there's a lot of Republicans out there will say, oh, yeah, there's those crazy folks. But most Republicans are normal and believe in democracy and all this. But clearly, that's not the case. Because if you believe in democracy, you believe in this government, and you want it to continue as a free nation with democracy, you can't possibly believe the big lie. And 70% of the Republicans believe the big lie. Here's what I find troubling about the Republicans. Right now, as they sit in the things they do, say, and think, they are an enemy of this country. They are an enemy to our system of government. What might we do if some foreign country, some foreign whoever they are, diplomats, fighters, whatever, they came to this country and they tried to do this very same thing. What would happen to them? They'd either be put in jail or they'd be prosecuted or they'd be fought against. If people came to our shores spouting the things the Republicans are now spouting, there would be trouble. And America wouldn't tolerate it. But somehow, now because they're a allegedly a legitimate political party. They get to do whatever they want. And they do have their First Amendment right. But what they're doing is trying to infringe on everybody else's rights. And that's where your rights stop. I've said this before. I have a right to do X, Y, Z. Yes, you do until that point where it affects or infringes on my rights. That's where your rights end. You don't have the right to infringe on somebody else's rights. And by burning books or doing whatever they do, they infringe on people's rights all the time. Basically, they're saying, we're smart, we're special, we're better than everybody else. We get to do whatever we want, and you just do what we tell you. Well, that's about as un-American as it possibly could be. And this group of people, the Republicans are a serious danger to this country. As long as they keep thinking the way they think, saying the things they say, that is dangerous in this country. You know, it's one thing to have 10 or 15 or 20 or 200 people thinking these things. We've always had that. At least that's what we thought. But when you have 20% or 30% of this country thinking this way, that is a problem. They're going to try to bull their way through and get their point of view across, and take over somehow. And the unfortunate thing is the other 70 or 80% of the people don't want to start trouble, so they'll just let them get away with it. And that's what we're doing now. We're allowing treasonist, seditionist, terrorist to do what they want. We're being polite. And maybe the time of being polite is over now. We've dealt with this for four years. It's done immeasurable damage to this country, and we've just let it happen. These people haven't been held accountable. Yes, I know that many of the insurrectionists are going to court, going to trial, and getting convicted and going to jail, and I'm glad to see that. 
But these are just the worker bees. These are the people that were manipulated by the people at the top of the food chain and caused them to do it. Now, we can put those people in jail, and we should, but that doesn't stop the problem. Because what will happen is the people at the top of the food chain, the sitting members of Congress, a president of the United States, they'll just find other people they can manipulate and do it again. And they'll keep doing it until such time that it works. And then it's too late for us to do anything. So I think we need to like take a serious look at the Republican Party and realize they are no longer legitimate. They are no longer the Republican Party. They are an enemy of the state, an enemy of this country, and we must treat them as such. We have to treat them as such, otherwise they'll keep slowly but surely creeping their way across America. They're an insidious, insidious villain in this situation. You know, they come off and play like they're patriots. They call themselves patriots, but everything they does, everything they do is unpatriotic as you could possibly be. But they think if they keep saying they're patriotic that uh, nobody will notice. Well, we're all fucking noticing right now. Now, the House Select Committee is going through their investigation. We're starting to see some fingers being pointed at people that are sitting members of Congress, higher-level people in the administration. We can only assume the day is going to come that they will be exposed as such, and then we have to count on the DOJ to actually prosecute them. We also have to get the information out so everybody understands what the deal is. There's no conjecture here. There's no guessing here. These are the facts. This is what they did. They are treasonist or seditionist or terrorist, and they must be held accountable. We're at a very critical moment in our country because we've never been, excuse me, we've never been in this danger before where our democracy is hanging by a thread. If there is going to be a hero, if we are going to take charge like we always said we would, now is the time. It's not too early. And it's not up for debate. It's fucking sitting right in front of us. And that one, that one percentage there tells us everything we need to know. Republicans believe in the big lie to the tune of 70% of their party. That makes 70% of their party wrong, seditionist, treasonist, terrorist. And if 70% of your party is that way, then you are no longer a legitimate party should not be a legitimate party in this country anymore because that's not what we stand for and that's not what we accept. That's the thing that has troubled me in these times. Before all this happened, it was all imagined. If that ever happened, America would be tough and we'd stop this and we'd slap them down and we'd put them in prison and do all that stuff. That was what we believed. Or when it came to people breaking the law while Trump was in office. We'll just subpoena them and we'll impeach them and that'll teach them. But none of that did. All the things that we thought made America strong didn't work. Everything kind of folded up and people got away with it. That's a serious flag for us. We spend decades and decades and decades thinking America could protect itself from inside by all these things, subpoenas, the select committees, the, uh, the DOJ, we thought that would always protect us. But what we found during the Trump administration is none of that's true. They just did whatever they want. They had no fear of the government, no fear of the DOJ, no fear of the general public and what they heard and what they saw. They had zero fear. And you know what? They didn't come across much resistance at all. That's what should be scaring us right now. We aren't the tough country we thought we were. Otherwise, none of this stuff would have happened. It would have been shut down very quickly. But it was allowed to continue. And the reason it was allowed to continue is because the Republican Party had a certain amount of power. And they had a number of people following them. So instead of some little stupid faction thinking all this thing, we've got a group of 70% of Republicans in this country, which is a huge number. And because they believe it, this stuff perpetuates. Whether or not it would undermine our country, they believe it. And that's where the trouble lies. 
we can't look at these people as just another party with weird ideas. These fuckers are treasonous, seditionist, and terrorist, and they must be treated as such. Otherwise, they can overtake us. There's got to be a point where we fight. There's got to be a point where we push back. There's got to be a point where we shut this shit down. And that's what we must do in this situation. I can only hope the House Select Committee is the first part of this. But they're not the end of it. We need them to do their job, expose all, make DOJ referrals. But then we need the DOJ to put the their foot to the floor and plow through these people and do what they need to do. We're a little ways away from that right now. I'm hoping against hope that they, everybody does what they're supposed to do. But up to now, we've not seen that. So I'm a little skeptical about it. But we've got to hope and we've got to put the pressure on ourselves to make sure they do what they need to do. It's too important. It's our future. It's our country. And I don't care who gets fucking hurt. When people do these sorts of things, they need to pay a heavy price. Because if they don't, there's going to be other people that give it a try. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. This next story is one of those stories where if you just hear the headline, there's a certain groups of people that will say, oh, there you go. Joe Biden's letting them go. Nobody's going to be held accountable. They're all going to hide it. Everybody's getting away. But they'll say that only because they only heard the headline. They didn't dig deep enough to see what the real story was, what the small print said. And frankly, this is a failing of the media. They will tell you those clickbait headlines, hoping to get you excited or scared or whatever and keep you listening. But they aren't always as clear about the other facts of the story. And that is a failing in our media, and it's a sad state of our journalism. If there was any journalism, I don't particularly think that there is. But so... You hear that you hear a headline and you make a judgment, but the judgment isn't right because you don't know the whole story. I'll give you an example. There's this headline. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection has agreed to defer its request for hundreds of pages of records from the Trump administration in and around January 6th. Now, you've heard this story where the National Archives has thousands of records that the House Select Committee wants released to them about January 6th so they can investigate it further. And, of course, Donald Trump has said, well, I have executive privilege. You can't let it go. And, of course, Joe Biden says, no, you don't. Only the sitting president has it. And I say they can go. He took it to court. Donald Trump did. He lost. He took it to appeals court. He lost. And now we're waiting for it to go to the Supreme Court and see if they even listen to it. But he will lose there, and then the documents will get released. But now you hear this headline, and you think, but they're going to hold back hundreds of documents. My God, they're going to get away with it. See, Joe Biden folded. Here's what you need to understand. You need to understand how this game is played. First of all, hundreds of documents sound like a lot of documents. But we're talking about tens of thousands of documents that are going to be released from the National Archives to the House Select Committee. Hundreds of documents is just a small, small fraction of what will be released. Now, you're probably wondering, why are they going to release or not release them? Well, apparently the White House and Joe Biden have realized that not all the documents in this tranche of documents that are going to be released from the National Archives necessarily refer to January 6th and the insurrection. They have to do with other things. And let's be honest, if it's an investigation of the insurrection, any documents that don't have anything to do with the investigation shouldn't be released. 
I mean, whether we would want to hear about them or they might be even criminal to a certain extent. This is an investigation about January 6th, the insurrection. That's where the focus should be. So now Joe Biden has said, look, there are a bunch of uh, documents in there that don't apply to the insurrection. So we're not going to allow them to be released. And the House Select Committee has agreed to that. Now, even still, you might say to yourself, well, why wouldn't they do that? Let's just hammer the motherfucker and let's get it all out there. But again, you have to understand how the game is played. This particular situation where a former president asked for executive privilege and the sitting president denies it, that sets a precedence. And when I say it sets a precedence, it's one of the reasons why the DOJ doesn't typically prosecute certain people because in their minds, what would happen was you'd get this back and forth. Now, the Democrats are in power, so they ask for all these things. But then all of a sudden, the Republicans are in the Oval Office. And now just as retribution, they will go ask for the same things, even though nothing may have happened that would warrant it. They said, you did it, we're going to do it. And you know as well as I do that the Republicans are perfectly fucking capable of doing something like this. So the Republicans do it. And then when the Democrats get back in, they do it. So we got these guys going back and forth, exposing shit from the White House that has nothing to do with anything because nothing happened. And that's why they try to avoid that. Now, the situation with Joe Biden and the Democrats is different. Because we're talking about an insurrection. We're talking about an attack on our government, an attempt to overthrow our government and undermine democracy. That's some serious shit. And that does need to be investigated because we have to make sure it isn't done again. We need to know what happened, when it happened, who was involved, and who at the top was involved in making this happen. Yes, we're seeing insurrectionists going to court, getting convicted, and going to jail. These were the worker bees pounding on the Capitol. But these worker bees wouldn't be doing this sort of thing had they not been manipulated by somebody higher up. And we know that there are people, sitting members of Congress, maybe even the president, that were pulling the strings in this situation. So not only do we have to arrest those people that did the damage and committed the crimes and violence, but we have to get to those people who made it happen, who facilitated it, who planned it, who helped it. And in order to do that, we have to do this investigation. So when you've got hundreds of documents that don't pertain to the insurrection, Joe Biden is thinking to himself, we don't need this back and forth, this precedent where everybody's going to go after everybody every fucking time somebody different is in the Oval Office. So he's got to throw these people a bone. He's got to show that he's being legitimate about this. So I'm sure when they're waiting to release this stuff, the White House went through it and they picked out anything that didn't have to do with the insurrection. You can't throw the kitchen sink at them because it's going to diminish the legitimacy of the investigation. So the smart thing for Joe Biden to do and the uh, Democrats to do is go through it and pick out three or four hundred pages and say, you know, we're not going to release those because they have nothing to do with the insurrection. That gives some legitimacy and less complaints for the Republicans to give after it's all said and done. Now, you see, this will go over to the Supreme Court now. If the Supreme Court sees this lawsuit by Donald Trump, for all intents and purposes, there is no reason in the world they would say that they would be willing to hear this. There's no case here. It's lost in federal court, in the appellate court, and it'll lose in the Supreme Court. And for the Supreme Court to take this up, they would look foolish doing it. So I've said before, there are 10,000 requests to go in front of the Supreme Court. In a year's time, they only hear 65. This doesn't make the top 65. It doesn't make sense. It's a waste of the Supreme Court's time. However, we know the Supreme Court has six Republican judges, three of which were appointed by Donald Trump. 
Now, for all intents and purposes, they aren't going to accept this. But if they do, or if they want to argue this point, this is what they might do. They say, well, yeah, a lot of this stuff does pertain to January 6th, but this doesn't, this doesn't, and this doesn't. So I have to question this whole request. So maybe we take it to a Supreme Court hearing, and they pick these little things out. So instead of going through that and risking that, then Joe Biden and the Democrats go through it and pick out anything that might be a red herring, anything that would give them a reason to say, yeah, but you did this. You know how they do that. You know, they can have the biggest thing in the world happen, but they'll pick out one little tiny thing to change the narrative. And I don't think that would occur with the Supreme Court, but if it does, you have to protect yourself. You can't afford to lose this, especially when it's unlosable. So that's what's happening here. Joe Biden is throwing them a bone, trying to protect himself and protect the Democrats from losing on some stupid little piece of shit technicality. There's no way they should, but we've seen the Republicans do worse than that. And also when it comes down to a Republican maybe being in the Oval Office, and they want to do the same thing as retribution to the Democrats, even though there's no reason to do it, then the Democrats can say, yeah, but, you know, we went through this with a fine-tooth comb. We took all the things out that didn't have anything to do with the insurrection. And that would be their argument or their talking point with the Republicans should they want to try the same thing. The important thing you have to understand is everything that happens in Washington is a fucking game. Everybody's trying to think about what other people will do when they get the power. And they're afraid of that. So they want to protect themselves as much as they can. So when the TV news or the Internet comes out and says, yeah, the House Select Committee and Joe Biden's going to hold back hundreds of pages of these documents from the National Archives. They want you to get upset and concerned. But don't, because it's not a big deal. It's just Democrats and Joe Biden protecting himself and protecting the, the party and giving them some firepower should they run into the same problem with the Republicans. That's what they're fucking doing. So don't get upset. Everybody's going to be held accountable. This will all get exposed. It has to get exposed. And the reason is insurrections, probably the most serious thing we've seen happen in Washington, D.C. in decades. They need to get to the bottom of this. They need to expose everybody that was involved from the sitting members of Congress all the way to the president. They have to if they have any hopes of saving the democracy in this, go- in this country. So don't get all worked up when you hear a story like this. You've got to read the whole story. You've got to understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's part of the game. It's not going to affect anything because it has nothing to do with the insurrection. At this point, we should focus on the insurrection with this investigation and just do that. Don't throw the kitchen sink at them because it's going to cause you problems in the long run. Make sure you take care of all those little fine points so there is no point in which they can say, yeah, but you said this, and then expand that into something big and then make the whole request illegitimate. It's about protecting themselves. It's about playing the fucking game. So don't get excited about that. Now, another thing that's going to happen, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Joe Biden is going to be talking to Putin. In fact, when you hear this, it would be today. It would be Thursday, assuming you listen to this on Thursday. And uh, we know that Joe Biden talked to Putin a while back, a few days ago. And the reason he was talking is because, of course, the Russians are amassing troops near the Ukraine border. You know, there's concern about Russians. I wanted to say Republicans, Russian, same fucking thing. Anyway, they're concerned about the Russians invading the Ukraine. And, of course, when Putin had Donald Trump to deal with, he could get away with anything. But Joe Biden is not going to allow that. He talked to him several days ago, and uh, Joe Biden probably told him in no uncertain terms, you do that kind of bullshit, you're going to suffer through some sanctions that you just cannot handle because your country isn't economically strong enough. And that pissed off Putin. And then when it got reported in the news that Joe Biden one-upped 
Vladimir Putin, well, he's a narcissist. He's an asshole. He does exactly what Donald Trump does. He, he He's a little smarter than Donald Trump, but he'll do the same things and attack back. He did pull back uh, several thousand troops from the Ukraine border. But now what he's doing is exactly what Donald Trump would do. It's whataboutism. He's going to flip the narrative. So he's going to talk to Joe Biden because now he's got a complaint. Because apparently NATO troops are getting close to the Russian border in Ukraine. Now, Americans aren't going to fight any war with Russia over this situation. That's just not going to happen. But NATO does have some troops over there. Interesting thing is Ukraine is not in NATO. So that's where Putin's complaint is. Well, we're doing this, but NATO's on the eastern border. Well, let me explain something to you. NATO's not going to invade anybody. If NATO is there, the only reason they are there is to protect the Ukrainians. Now, NATO can protect the Ukrainians if they want. They can make them a member of NATO if they want. And Putin doesn't want that. They won't let Putin into NATO. And that pisses him off. He thinks he should be in there. But he's the exact reason why there is NATO. And so if they're going there to protect against the Russians, now Putin is complaining that, well, they're there, so we're there. You know, typical Republican Trump, what about bullshit. So that's what they're going to talk about when Joe Biden and Putin talk again. Biden made his complaint, made his threat. Now Putin decides he's got to go on the offensive. They don't know how to go on the defensive and just react like human beings. They've got to throw it back in somebody's face. Well, that's not going to work because Joe Biden doesn't control NATO. And NATO's going to do what NATO's do. It's a bunch of countries deciding what to do. And they can fight, too, if they want to. But I don't think they'd engage in a war with Russia. That's not going to happen. But it's a matter of flexing power. So Russia does it. NATO comes in and tries to do whatever they can to slow them down or stop them from doing whatever they plan on doing. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. And unlike Donald Trump, we'll hear how that conversation went. And if it went the way of Joe Biden, once again, Vladimir Putin will be pissed off and make some other threat or claim. I mean, that's all they know to do. I mean, what do they call that in um, politics, rattling their sabers. They do this a lot with no intention of actually doing anything. It's just making these threats. It gets out in the public. People get nervous. Then the other side has to react and it gets to be a big fucking mess. Joe Biden knows Vladimir Putin quite well. As vice president, he dealt with him on many occasions. He knows exactly who he is. Joe Biden has 36 years in the Senate, so he knows all about this shit. And he's also not the kind of guy that's going to get pushed around. You might think he's a kindly old man. Maybe he is. But he knows enough about this business of politics where he's not going to allow somebody to push him around, especially after what happened the last four years and Putin pretty much making Donald Trump a puppet. So no doubt Joe Biden is going to put Putin in his place. It's going to take some time to get this whole situation resolved. And don't be surprised if there's some kind of compromise or something worked out because Vladimir Putin will want to look, if he pulls his guys back, he wants to be made look to look good when he does this. And the smart thing to do is if he can get the Russians to pull back and stop all this nonsense, if Joe Biden can do something that helps to make Vladimir Putin look good in the process. The smart man would do that because the end result is what's important, not all the press and bullshit. And Joe Biden knows that. He knows how to deal with these people. and He knows what to do. If you do something fucked up, we're going to come down on you hard. And that's where Joe has to play that card. He has to make sure he knows that. Now, if instead he has to make them look good while saying that, so be it. Let's just get it done, get them away from the border, get NATO out of there, and let Ukraine live their lives the way they want to. So 
that conversation is going to be interesting. And as I say, unlike the conversations between Trump and Putin, we'll find out what was said and what results came out of it. So it's going to be something we want to watch very closely and see what happens, because that's a dangerous situation. If Russia did invade Ukraine, there's a lot of people that will want to do something. When I say people, I mean countries, including the U.S. They will almost be forced to do something. But they're limited in what they can do because Ukraine is not in NATO. But we don't want them to do it still. Joe Biden's going to have to come off strong here. And the fact of the matter is, in real terms, Biden doesn't want to have to do anything at all. He wants them to just back up. Because once he does something, then it goes back to what I was talking about before. Then Russia will have to do something. Then we'll have to do something. And then it escalates and it gets to be a big shit show. The point is to play chicken here and be the one that's strongest and win the game of chicken. That's what Joe Biden is trying to do here. And he will win because Joe Biden has more power in America. We have what they need. These sanctions would kill Russians. They can't afford to do that. They've had full, free leeway with Donald Trump. And now they're testing the waters. And Joe Biden's going to shut them down, and things will quiet down ultimately. So that's what's going on with Joe Biden and Putin when they talk again. Hopefully we'll hear some good news from that conversation after it's done. And we should hear about it fairly shortly. So that's good. Lastly, I just want to talk about COVID. It was interesting. I saw um, a map. You know, they show the maps where the infections and the deaths and all that stuff were. This was a map of COVID community transmission, how things are spreading. Now, on this map, you would have high, low, or, or high, medium, and low. High, it would be colored red. And here's the crazy thing about this. This map was completely red. Every state had uh, high transmissions of COVID community transmission. Every state in the country was high. That means this stuff is spreading fast and furious. And that's a little bit of a scary situation. Now, of course, we know that uh, Omicron is a little less harsh than Delta or COVID-19. And a lot of people are thinking that we're out of the woods, that it's not going to kill anybody. Well, we don't know that it's not going to kill anybody. And we don't know that it's all Omicron. It may be the dominant strain currently, but there is still Delta out there. I know people who currently have COVID and it's Delta, and that is dangerous. So we can't get too comfortable just because it's Omicron. And here's the thing. We're in the winter months. This is when we know there are surges with these viruses. And the doctors are now saying we're about to see a tsunami of new cases over the next few weeks. The good news is while the transmissions are way up, hospitalizations and deaths are kind of flat. They haven't gone up with the infections. That's the good news. There's still people going to the hospital, and there's still people dying. And while the infection process is going great guns, that's staying stable. That's good news. But we've got a lot of people that are unvaccinated, and we've got a virus that is spreading quickly. Now, maybe most people will be fine if they get it, but there will be some people that will be hospitalized and some people that die. There are people that are uh, immune-compromised. And even if they have the vaccine, they'll be at risk because they can't handle as much. So this is still a huge danger. Maybe not to the average healthy person who gets Omicron. They'll struggle with it for a while, but it won't be like Delta or COVID. But they also, because it's such a high infection rate, they're going to give it to other people. Now, here's the interesting thing. When Delta first came out, they said a person with the Delta virus would transmit it to 2.5 people. They had the capability of passing it on to 2.5 people, which is crazy when you think about it. That means it doubles every time it's, it, it, it's spread. I spread it to two people. They spread it to um, eight people. And, and it just 
gets huge. The Omicron virus spreads at a rate of 10 times. That means one person who gets Omicron can spread it to 10 people. Now, those 10 people can each spread it to 10 people, and those people can spread it to 10 more people, and you can see how big this gets and how fast it gets. Again, it's not as harsh as Delta or COVID-19, but it's still a virus, it's still dangerous, and it's still problematic for this country. You know, whether it be travel, whether it be business or whatever, you have this virus, and if it's spreading that fast, it's going to affect the economy, it's going to affect our businesses, and it's going to affect travel. It doesn't matter that it's not as serious as Delta, it's still a virus, and it's still spreading like wildfire. So we've got to be very careful over the next few weeks. They say these three weeks are going to be the most horrific. Like they said, a tsunami of new cases over the next three weeks. And as it is, as far as the spread, you look at the map and every state is red. So it's already bad and it's going to get worse. So you need to be careful. You need to be vaccinated. You need the booster. You need to wear your mask where it's appropriate, and you need to be careful. We need to get through these next three weeks until we can maybe see the other side. And even then, we don't know for sure. It depends on what happens when this many people are infected by this virus. The other thing that could be concerned about, too, is we had COVID-19. Enough people got it. We had a variant called Delta. Enough people got it. We had another variant called Omicron. And with Omicron spreading like wildfire, we could get another variant. And every time we get another variant, it could be less um, or more. um, It might easily beat our vaccinations. We're fortunate that Omicron, we can still be safe with the boosters. And even the vaccinations were safer. But we get another variant. We don't know which way it's going to go. Is it going to get weaker? Is it going to get stronger? Is it going to be affected by the vaccine or is it not going to be affected by the vaccine? We don't want another fucking variant because we don't know what it's going to be. And it could be worse than anything we've seen before. So that's why it's so important that you protect yourself. Because as much as you're protecting yourself, you're protecting everyone else and this country for that matter. Because it isn't just about you. It's about everybody else. It's about those that are immune compromised. It's about our economy. It's about our businesses. It's about our schools. It's about all that shit. So if you've got your vaccines, wonderful. Get your fucking booster. I got my son going to get his booster tomorrow. He got lazy. He didn't do it. I said, you get your booster. He goes, well, I can do it next week. No, you're doing it as soon as you can get in. Get the fucking booster. And he's going to get it tomorrow, which he should. I shouldn't have had to tell him that, but I did. He's, you know, he's in his 20s, so he knows everything until I tell him what really the story is. And I did. And he's going to get the fucking booster. So these next few weeks are going to be troublesome, to say the least, in this uh, in this country with the Omicron, the Delta and the COVID-19, whatever it is, it's out there and people can get it. And it's going to spread quickly. So please, please be careful. Get your booster shots. Wear the mask where you need to wear the masks. And just be safe. All right, we're going to wrap it up for another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with me. If you have questions or comments, by all means, just send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Have yourself a great day. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.